A complete surrender to the inerrant Word of God is such a beautiful thing. It delivers a life void of confusion, a life void of uncertainty, a life filled with God's love, a life filled with God's eternal purpose. Believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendering to the Holy Scriptures is the open door to God's beauty. Have you come to this place? Have you been born again? Are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled? Your situation can most definitely change in mere minutes. Are you ready for the best day of your life? Click on to Further with Jesus for Shocking Beauty. Now for today's subject. God said, Exodus 20:11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The genealogical record in the scriptures concludes that this miraculous creation took place a little over 6,000 years ago. Man said, on a popular evolutionist discussion website, TalkOrigins.org, concerning the issues of Noah's Ark, why is there no evidence of a flood in ice core series? Ice cores from Greenland have been dated back more than 40,000 years by counting annual layers. Now the record. The evolutionist camp routinely finds itself trying to explain away embarrassingly obvious findings that contradicts its presuppositions. Consider, for example, the dinosaur, evolution's poster child. They supposedly died out about 65 million years ago. The shocking discovery that some of their bones still have soft tissue in them has caused the evolutionists to revisit their entire theory of fossilization. They did this simply because the only conclusion to these soft tissue findings defies their ancient age hypothesis and could point to the unthinkable, that man and dinosaur lived side by side thousands, not millions of years ago. Or consider the eruption of Mount St. Helens that created the same kind of geological layering that evo excuse me, the evolutionists claim takes millions of years to happen. Only this happened in days and mere months. And the list goes on. This situation brings to mind Jeremiah 6.15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Evidence continues to pour in, but unbelievers simply shrug their shoulders. Without shame, they attempt to stretch an already plastic and imaginative theory to fit whatever contradictory findings comes their way. If that isn't enough, they say that constantly needing to change their beliefs is what makes the evolution theory real science, not a religion. Which is it? And something to be esteemed, which isn't. Sixteen subjects on God Said Man Said deal with the age of the earth. Check the links provided. The ridiculous ages projected by evolutionists are a product of embarrassing and uniformitarian doctrine, which basically states that the present is the key to the past. Their premise is that as things go on today, so they were in the past. However, there are two very well-established events in history that totally disconfit this position. The first one is the six day, excuse me, is six 24-hour days of creation that happened just over 6,000 years ago. If he had met Adam 30 seconds after God created him, it would appear that he had history, but in fact he had none. The second event that members of the Uniformitarian camp reject is the global catastrophic flood during the days of Noah. Because of their rejection of these two supernatural events, their Uniformitarian age speculations are truly vacuous. Another addition to the list of discoveries that debunks conventional wisdom is today's subject on the lost World War II airplane squadron that was found in the early 1990s. 
It was located 250 to 264 feet under ice in Greenland. The account begins in 1942 during World War II, when some much-needed fighter planes were to be ferried from the United States to England to aid in the war. The route took them through Canada to Greenland to Iceland and finally to England. The account that follows is from the website of those affiliated with the recovery effort. By early morning on July 15, 1942... Tomcat Green and Tomcat Yellow, both squads consisting of Lockhead P-38s escorting a Boeing B-17, were airborne again on their way to Iceland. As the squadron soared across the ice cap at 12,000 feet, a heavy blanket of clouds began to form. An hour later, they saw the east coast of Greenland and weather that would prove to be as bad or worse than they flew through earlier. After 90 minutes of flying through dense cloud cover, the coastal mountains appeared through an opening. They soon discovered that they were back on the east coast of Greenland, two hours away from BW-1, the airbase at the southern tip of Greenland. The pilot, McManus' fuel, would only last another 20 minutes. The decision to land had been made for them. One by one, the other P-38 pilots brought down their planes as the two B-17s remained aloft for another half hour, expending their remaining fuel. End of quote. After the crew was rescued, no attempt was made by the U.S. to retrieve the planes, so they sat in the snow and ice for the next several decades. About 40 years later, civilian recovery teams were formed to recover the planes. They failed, however, to locate the lost squadron. One such team was led by Richard Taylor and Pat Epps. The following excerpts are taken from airspacemag.com. Richard Taylor echoes this observation. It's totally featureless. It doesn't change. But when Taylor and Epps formed the Greenland Expedition Society in 1981 and traveled that year to the coordinates that the B-17 crew members had recorded, they discovered change did come to the ice caps. The airplanes abandoned there 39 years earlier were nowhere in sight. In retrospect, it seems obvious that the airplanes would be buried under a good deal of ice, but no one was prepared for how much. That year, the tail wasn't sticking out, so they were 10 feet under, Pat Epps said, recalling the team's confidence. But they didn't find them on their second visit to Greenland later that year, or their third, or their fourth. Still, Epps, Taylor, and an ever-growing group of volunteers remained undeterred. They continued to research the problem, and in 1988 arrived on the ice cap, armed with two different sophisticated subsurface radar systems and crews to operate them. Within days, the radar teams had pinpointed the exact location of all eight airplanes, and it immediately became obvious why they had not been located earlier. The shifting ice had carried the airplanes about two miles from their original location, and a high-pressure steam probe revealed that they lay beneath as much as 264 feet of solid ice. End of quote. Because of the uniformitarian assumption of glacial ice formation being a long, slow process, none of the discoverers thought the planes could have been buried under 250 to 264 feet of ice in just 46 years. Evolutionists claim that layers in the ice cores represent different seasons, summer and winter. The layers are considered to be annual, so they've been counted to reach an approximate age. Since it has been established that hundreds of feet of ice can accumulate in a matter of decades, one must wonder if the layers seen in the ice cores only represent annual layers. The following is taken from the GodSaidManSaid.com article, Ice Cores and the Age of the Earth. Again, 
Ord weighs in concerning subannual layers. In the creationist model, the well-defined annual layers would be obvious near the surface, but they would be subannual deeper down. The number of subannual layers per year increasing with depth. It is known that subannual events show up within the top annual layers. These subannual signatures may be the result of individual storms, or they could be cycles of sunny, mild weather alternating with cool, stormy weather. The sub, excuse me, these subannual layers can mimic annual layers in the measured variables. For instance, enough variability exists in the precipitation from some mild latitude storms to account for the annual amplitude of the oxygen isotope ratio. In the uniformitarian model, it is assumed that storms and short weather cycles would be smooth and obliterated deeper in the ice by compression and diffusion. However, in the creationist model, these subannual fluctuations would be expected to remain and be counted as annual by the uniformitarian scientists. The following paragraphs are from ICR.org. World War II Airplanes Under the Ice The Greenland Society of Atlanta has recently attempted to excavate a 10-foot diameter shaft in the Greenland ice pack to remove two B-17 flying fortresses and six P-38 lightning fighters trapped under an estimated 250 feet of ice for almost 50 years. Aside from the fascination with salvaging several vintage aircraft for parts and moving, excuse me, movie rights, the fact that these aircraft were buried so deeply in such a short time focuses attention on the timescales used to estimate the chronologies of ice. If the aircraft were buried under about 250 feet of ice and snow is about 50 years, this means the ice sheet has been accumulating at an average rate of 5 feet per year. The Greenland ice sheet averages almost 4,000 feet thick. It were to assume the ice sheet has been accumulating at this rate since its beginning. It would take less than 1,000 years for it to form, and the recent, excuse me, the recent creation model might seem to be vindicated. Greenland ice cores. However, life is never as simple as implied above. In making our calculations, we did not take into account the comp compaction, excuse me, of the snow into ice as it is weighed down by the snow above. Neither did we consider the thinning of ice layers as the tremendous weight above forces the ice at lower levels to squeeze out horizontally. More importantly, we did not consider the average precipitation rate and actual depths of ice, excuse me, depths of ice for different locations on the Greenland ice sheet. When these factors are taken into account, the average annual thickness of ice at Camp Sentry, located near the northern tip of Greenland, is believed to vary from about 14 inches near the surface to less than 2 inches near the bottom. If, for simplicity, we assume the average annual thickness to be the mean between the annual thickness at the top and at the bottom, about 8 inches, this still gives an age of less than 6,000 years for the 4,000-foot thick ice sheet to form under uniformitarian conditions. End of quote. Don't let your confidence rest in the shifting sands of modern pseudoscientific wisdom. Let it be in the unchanging truth of God's holy word. Many confessing Christians question the young earth teaching of the Bible, but let it be known that God is not the author of confusion. God's word is very clear on the matter of a young earth. When we as men and women of God stand in faith and believe, you can rest assured that the facts will be shown to rest on our side. Note, we extend a special thank you to the God Said Man Said visitor who brought the account of the frozen airplanes to our attention. The time this believer spent in emailing his suggestion will be well rewarded, for this message will affect the souls of many. God Said, Exodus 20.11 For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, 
the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The genealogical record in the scriptures concludes that this miraculous creation took place a little over 6,000 years ago. Man said on a popular evolutionist discussion website, TalkOrigins.org, concerning the issues of Noah's Ark, why is there no evidence of a flood in Ice Core series? Ice cores from Greenland have been dated back more than 40,000 years by counting annual layers. Now you have the record.